Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Crypto Business Podcast, helping you navigate the frontier of crypto. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Crypto Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web3. Today, I'm going to be joined by Arvin Kamsay. And we're going to talk about how to sell out an NFT launch. If you have been thinking about launching your own NFT, Arvin has done a lot. And he's going to share a whole bunch of insights that are going to help you out quite a bit. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Arvin Kamsay. Helping you to simplify your crypto journey. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I am very excited to be joined by Arvin Kamsay. If you don't know who Arvin is, he's an NFT marketer who helps project founders sell out their NFTs. His mastermind is sold out NFTs. Arvin, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. It's super awesome for you to be here. Today, Arvin and I are going to explore what it takes to promote an NFT project so that it sells out. Now, Arvin, before we get into this, I would love to hear your backstory. How the heck did you get into NFTs? Start wherever you want to start. Yeah, so back in 2016, a good friend of mine, Nick, told me about crypto he he literally invested everything he had all his saving he sold his car everything he had and just bought bitcoins and then that obviously got my attention and a few years later he quit his job just traveling around the world because he made so much money with bitcoins and then i got really excited about the whole concept of like decentralized worlds and a web3 uh, the cryptocurrencies and then and at the time, I was working with a lot of uh, public companies doing their investor relationship marketing, uh, you know, managing 500K a month paid advertising. And then uh, there was an artist from Italy, one of one collection. He approached me and he said, like, no one's done paid ads and he's done everything else to sell his collection. He's not successful. And then he goes, do you just want to try it out? Just see what happens if we just do some paid ads. Before you do that, I want to go back to what you used to do for this investor relations thing. What does that job entail? Because I think that'll be important for people to understand. For sure. Yeah. So basically, we had different personas of long-term and short-term investors. So Max, the millennial, and then Gary, the long-term investor. And then I would do paid ads, a lot of programmatic ads, like display ads, and then we would essentially do awareness type of campaign. So 
potential investors would learn about a public company, about their team, about their whatever solution that they provide, the problem, the opportunity, everything, which is just like NFTs, uh, the, just exactly like an NFT website that we look at. We had an investor deck, and then we would get people in, interested in looking into it and then investing into it and then potentially nurturing them until they become a long-term investor and then they invest more. So that was that was literally my job. So that's fascinating. I didn't even know such a thing exists. So this is a public company and they're just trying to get more long-term people to hold their stock. Is that essentially what you're saying? Pretty much, pretty much. Just out of curiosity, why why do they do that? What's the objective? Why would a company do something like that? Well, yeah, so increase their increase their stock price and then just, you know, grow in the company and a lot of times like so and it evolved a lot more than just, you know, obviously paid ads. So we would do a lot of webinars, we go to different channels, every new thing that was happening with the company, any like new client that we were getting, we would obviously do press releases and talk to investors even like in a form of, you know, phone conversations. We had a we had a manager that would talk to them. Anyways, yeah, it was the concept was just a lot of people buying into the the stock. And then also the price of the stock will go up. Like that was that was the objective. Okay, this is so fascinating because there's probably so many parallels between what you did in that career yep. and what you're doing now. So this this Italian artist continue with that story. Yeah. So then he said, you know, he's done everything else and nothing has worked. And he wanted to see if I could just run some paid ads. Maybe that could work for him. And then he had obviously very small collection because it was one of one. And then he sold out in a week with just straight paid ads, just running into his website and showing showing off his art. That was, for me, a proof of concept where I thought, oh, okay, so there's something I, I don't know about this industry and that I could you know, just bring into this industry and just really develop it. And then so I started talking about it online. I just put up a gig. I didn't think much out of it uh, at the time. But then a lot of people just gravitated toward just working with me because like a lot of things I was talking about was just coming from a different, I guess, different universe than what Web3 people were used to at the time. And then, yeah, so I, like first month, I think I worked with like I consulted about 100 projects, second month, another 100 projects. And then I realized like, OK, I don't want to just, you know, be on Zoom like 14 hours, 18 hours a day. Uh, so then I obviously slowed down. When when was this? Was this pre-pandemic or was this 2020? This is October 2021. Okay, cool. So, so keep going with the story. Close to the peak of the, you know, the search inquiries for NFTs were obviously just surpassing the, the cryptocurrencies. The cryptocurrency price was getting to its highest. And so it was literally the peak for for everything. Yeah, so and then it was very exciting times and and also what was very, I guess, cool about that time was that, you know, a lot of projects were selling out. And so, you know, it wasn't it wasn't so much of a struggle for people. It was more just like when they're going to launch their collection to sell out. OK, so something happened along the way. Obviously, the market crashed and all that stuff. So but you were there in the peak of it all, helping projects essentially sell out right so so what are you doing now like bring us up to the present we're recording this nearly a year after you started that that crazy time right so 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 now what are you doing these days yeah so i remember during i guess may of 2022 where 
a lot of projects, I guess the sentiment of the market significantly changed. So it was very clear how different it was as far as people buying and just also stats. So, you know, number of collections, they're about, you know, on Ethereum, they're about 100,000. On Solana, they're about like 50,000-ish. Um, and as far as the wallets, like active wallets that we have, beginning of this year, January, I believe, January, February of this year, it was about 1.5 million. Um, and then it was dropped to about 500,000 in May. There was obviously a significant decrease in the price of a lot of collections, significant decrease in cryptocurrency price. Then, you know, obviously a lot of people were uh, working on a lot of things, but then they decided to either pause or just completely just forget about their projects. And this is not just a small company, so even some large companies, they were working for, you know, a year or two on their project and they just decided to not do anything. So I remember as that was happening, a lot of projects were leaving, but I realized, you know, this is just like any other product or any other service that when it gets saturated, you just got to get better. You got to get your offer better. You got to market in a different way, just like, you know, how you still buy a fitness program, even though it's pretty saturated and like everyone's done it at this point, you can still be very successful and just do cool things. I thought, okay, cool. So if I create a mastermind and just get people uh, to really just come together and just all share uh, their knowledge and their findings together, then we can get through this, I guess, bear market and figure out ways uh, to be able to uh, sell out NFT projects. And so while it obviously got harder, there's still ways and there's still projects that are selling out. And I've had, I've had projects sold out past the, I guess, past the exciting times of the NFTs since then as well. Things that we do right now as far as marketing NFTs obviously significantly change and also fewer projects sell out for sure but it's still happening, which is great. So one of the questions I have for you is, were you able to actually just go in full-time and do this? I mean, is this all you do now? I mean, and what was that transition point? Was it back in the peak in October where you just said, okay, I'm quitting my job and I'm doing this full-time? Yeah, so I literally, it was around November where I had so much demand in this space where I was sleeping about two hours a day. Yeah, and I, I just thought to myself, but I realized, I realized it's, a, it's not going to stay that way. That's why I was staying up so many hours, so many days a, a week, because I realized if, if I just do that, eventually this won't be that way. And I was right. So I really just, I guess, took the best out of that time. And then around, I want to say January, February, everything really slowed down. But then again, just like anything, like it doesn't have to be all exciting and like, you know, loss of demand. You still you still build yourself up. And then while everyone's leaving, if you stay, you can figure out your own, I guess, clientele and just do well. And that's what I did. I still I this is still full time for me. I think that's great. And this is one of the things I'm going to be talking about at my crypto business conference is that Gartner has this hype cycle. And every innovation goes through this hype cycle where it starts at the bottom and it reaches the peak of inflated expectations and then it goes into the trough of disillusionment and then eventually works its way towards ultimate acceptance. And the truth of the matter is that, yeah, I mean, like a lot of people are getting flushed out of the marketplace as far as NFT projects go, but this is when the builders are coming in, right? This is when a lot of people are looking into the future and they're saying to themselves, okay, 
I can learn from all these crazy things that have happened. And now I can build something that's going to be really successful. Now, I would love to hear your thoughts on why so many NFT projects don't sell out. I mean, there's the obvious one where the economy might be, you know, not so good. But what are some of the other things that you see that kind of helps explain, regardless of whether you're in a good economy or a bad economy, as to why they don't sell out? Absolutely. So just so it's obvious for the audience, my mastermind, I offered people said, hey, like it's, you know, every time, maybe twice a week, two hours, um, every time we talk about your projects, all your questions and everything. During the bear market, we would stay on for five, six hours because for probably two hours, people were just talking about how everything was so different. And people got really afraid. They didn't want to launch. They all wanted to pause on everything they were doing. But what I started doing was I thought, okay, cool. So let's go back to the basics. Why people buy things. First, your offer has to be great. You have to actually solve a real uh, problem. You need to know who you're selling it to. And you need to figure out why those people buy what you're selling them. And then now once you figure that out, then where can you find those people and just show, like really clearly communicate um, why they need to buy your products. So just simple stuff that I was doing prior to that in marketing in general in Web2. Then I thought, okay, just let's just go back to basic and just create the same thing in the Web3 and then be able to sell it. And then that translated into, you know, as far as the offer, just going through the website and just figuring out, okay, on the top of the website, I realized when I was looking at projects that were selling out, I never seen that before until like I had to actually go and look where on the top of the websites of like, you know, let's say Board Ape or like some of the blue chip collections. Uh, um, and you see a lot of projects that they, they understand this. They have an image that really shows what the project is about, like really paints the scene. This is just one of the examples of like certain things that successful projects do that it wasn't until during the bear market that I actually like had to actually understand all of these things. Right. And um, I, I bet to, for some people, they still don't see these things. They just think, oh, well, it's like a cool looking website. So I just want to reiterate why projects tend not to be successful. This isn't any more if you build it, they will come kind of era, right? Like sounds like about a year ago, you could have built almost anything and it would probably sell because people were just going nuts and buying these projects. But now what I hear you saying is, hey, you've got to have an idea that has a marketplace, right? And you need to make sure that I would imagine those people are actually out there and actually in the world right now that buys NFTs. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, because it was all about the excitement and people just trusting everything that the project owners or the project founders were saying. And then that changed significantly. And then now people were actually researching things, right? So now when they start researching, then you really needed to have a good product or something that's really valuable for people. So what people now call it a like utility. When it comes to your branding, it needs to be clear to people. Again, in the past, it didn't matter. But now it's very important. Every, like all the, all the basic rules in marketing and sales that were obviously all the time, you know, they, they were true all the time, they, they became important again. But there was just a period of time where NFT sales was just about how people were super excited. They would buy anything. And then we obviously passed that time. Yeah, it's kind of like if you're in New York City, it's raining and you happen to sell umbrellas. No one's going to care. They're, they're going to buy your umbrella because 
it's just like it serves an instant need and they don't care if it's a piece of garbage umbrella or it's a really good umbrella they're going to buy the umbrella and that's kind of what it was like everybody was buying umbrellas right now no one's buying umbrellas because there's no rain coming right rain is met metaphor for the buyers of these products right so now you have to have a much clearer purpose and you have to work a little bit harder so let's talk about how to sell out an nft project what are some you know you talked you kind of hinted a little bit about some of the basics but what are some of the things and let's even talk about community as well too like what do we need to be thinking about if we want to sell out an nft project assuming we've got you know i mean you can talk a little bit more about the stuff we just talked about but let's dig in what do we need to know yeah absolutely so actually community is very i say people are misunderstood about the value of community in the nft marketing so last year all we had to do, and this I literally wrote on entrepreneur.com like an article, just like formula for selling out, which was just build a community of Discord and you know, size of let's say three to five times your collection size. About 30% of those people will buy your NFTs. That's it. So I remember literally we just sold out projects, you know, in six minutes, where like on that website, first of all, the website we probably spent like 500 bucks on it like total with you know everything like all the functionality and everything and then the the utilities that we literally had was like number one was metaverse number two was um staking number three was like something else it's like one word nothing like and nothing about the team not even docs team you didn't like it wasn't even a team it was just one person so all of those was happening but then things changed right so the community alone is no longer enough for people to sell out a project. So I realized that when beginning of this year, around, I wanna say February, March, 2022, a lot of times people would come to me on these mastermind calls and they would tell me, cause they were afraid. They were like, wait, did you see that project that had 100,000 people on their Discord and they didn't sell out? How is that even possible? So that was the beginning of the time where we realized, okay, so just building a community is not enough because everyone was building a community. Every person, so about, let's say, 500 pro uh, projects were coming out every day. And then every person was part of at least 20, 30 different Discord channels. Um, and then they would mute all of them. And then so it wasn't useful to just build a community because then they would forget when you're going to launch they wouldn't know when you're actually launching or like you're doing something different. Even if they knew there were so many options that they would just possibly pick the either the cheapest one or the one that's just like the, the newest or whatever criteria they have. So it was just really difficult, right? So as far as, so the, the first thing is the community is, okay, so you still need to have a community, but this time you want to have a more qualified community. So I went from just building building projects or just saying, hey, whoever came in, whatever country, whatever profile, perfectly fine to just realizing, hey, like, for example, that project that just went on the top of like, you know, ranking for OpenSea now, like it's almost like zero. It's because we didn't care who the holders are and how many they hold. But then we're like, OK, so like, let's figure out uh, what are some things we need to do to make sure the holders or the people actually being part of the community, they're more qualified. So then there was a time, everything was about whitelisters and making it harder and harder for people to 
um, to you know join your project as a whitelister. There was a time where uh, they closed uh, discords, so it was only available for a specific people. You could get a link, and it was like some exciting thing to just be part of a Discord channel. So what I did was I created a landing page, and I got the idea from Prement. XYZ, but you you know people can do it on the premium XYZ as well. But basically, we created a landing page that was only allowing people to register to become a part of the community when they joined Discord, they followed Twitter, they connected their wallet, and let's say on their wallet there was at least you know hundred bucks, few hundred bucks, right? So now all of a sudden, this person is very different to all those people who are joining but they don't really want to connect their wallet. So these people are more committed. They're a different type of people than whoever person was joining the project. And this, this continually just became harder and harder, right? So like, so we've done that and we're like, okay, now everyone's doing the same thing. So let's just make them now buy something. So I got it to a point where one project, I told them, I said, like, just experiment, see what happens. So they asked to actually, the whitelisters to for wirelessers to guarantee their spot, they had to pay $50 in ETH to be able to guarantee the wireless spot. For another project, I said, make people actually buy NFTs from your other collection. And they did that. People were actually literally sweep the floor for another collection of the same company just to be able to get the wireless, right? So we continuously like, made it harder and harder for people to get into the community because we didn't want to have a distorted image going into a mint date thinking we have so many people. And then when we look back, there's like no one, right? So, so that was as far as the community. So that changed. And then also it was initially all about the community itself, but then later on it became about the product market fit, meaning would the utility of the project or just let's say in simple words, if I hold a specific NFT, what would that do for me? What's the benefit of the holding this NFT for me uh, as a buyer? Now, it could be a Web3 buyer, or it could be a Web2 buyer, but I just need to understand why I need to buy this NFT. Projects who could come in and have a strong narrative to clearly communicate like why you need to buy the project. And if they had something of substance, um, then they would meet that requirement for having having a, a better project than than other projects out there and that's what people like call the utility now like everyone like you you know you you you're talking about like you're taking shower people like what's the utility right it's just like everything is like okay what what's the utility everyone's that's what everyone's talking about right now i think in in a you know maybe 6 months down the line maybe we won't talk about it as much maybe there will be another change uh, maybe something else would become uh, more important. Like some people t- right now, they're talking about like how a story is going to be more important because now everyone has utilities, right? We talked about it so much. Everyone has a utility now. That's a perfect transition to my next question, which is communication, right? Because you've already kind of hinted at this a couple of times, like, hey, on the website, have these things or uh, what is the benefit of holding the NFT? Like talk about talk about communication strategy a little bit here, because obviously I think this could be a huge differentiator, right? One of the things I do with projects and I tell them, even if they're new or they're, if they even, uh, you know, they've been in this market for some time, I tell them to spend at least 100 hours on Twitter spaces, get roasted by influencers, by potential investors, 
and even you know if they can even have like a web two type of people too, like get in front of them and just pitch your project. You know, spend not pitching your project for like twenty minutes because that's what most people do when they come in and talk about the projects. They need twenty minutes to actually communicate the project. No, if you can actually pitch your project in one minute and say in one minute actually what your project is about, why I need to buy it, and and that's clear to people, and then. You go through these hundred hours and spending time with people and people telling you, "Hey, for example, you talk about this really cool project and you're gonna make so much money. What are you gonna do with this money?" And then you'd be like, "Oh, I've never thought about that." Then you go and actually figure that out. Um, or like people say, "Okay, so how are you gonna make money after the primary sales?" And then you'd be like, "Hmm, this is interesting. We never thought about that neither. But like now we can have a maybe a." Uh, process where we we sell merch or maybe we have some on chain utility that or maybe we have a stake or something right and then you come up with new things it gets to the point where your offer meaning what you're actually pitching and what people are actually perceiving of you know what they're buying becomes so refined that when it gets to the mint date then people are feeling comfortable actually buying it got a quick clarifying question on this so are we doing our own spaces with our existing community or are we going into other people's spaces and asking questions? I mean, cause that's the part that I'm not clear on and what you're proposing here. Yeah. So actually both. So what I like to do at the beginning when projects actually want to do spaces, so they usually don't have an audience. People don't know them. So what I like to do is to actually find people. In fact, on Twitter, people can actually go type out literally just, they can look for Twitter hosts. A lot of people now have them in their bios and they can find those people. They usually have an audience. They charge anywhere from a few hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars a, uh, per hosting a Twitter space. And you usually bring somewhere from at least you know, 50 people all the way to a few thousand people on a Twitter space. So what I like to do, I like projects to first go on those and then you know, spend some time with that influencer, maybe twice, three times on their spaces. And then what happens is some of those people from those spaces, they start liking the project, they start liking the people who are doing the project, and then they move over. So they come in when the project's doing their own in a Twitter space, right? So that's how I like to do it. Now, there's a lot that goes on into promoting. So someone I know, I speak with him like on stages, he has one of the largest Twitter spaces in the NFT. And he was telling me the other day how for his first Twitter space that he had, I believe he had like 2,000 people live. He actually promoted that Twitter space for two months. He did promotions on his email list, on his Telegram, on his Discord, talking to influencers, which actually that's another thing I like to do is like bringing a lot of influencers with blue checks because that gets people excited. And plus also people want to hear from people who have strong opinions about something, just bringing a lot of people on specific Twitter spaces with you and where they can just, you know, contribute uh, as far as their opinions. That's really helpful. So so the, there's a strategy on actually how to build the audience of your Twitter spaces, but that's really it. Like you're going on other people's first and then eventually you build out yours as well. That's really fascinating. Back to the website the actual NFT website. You were talking earlier about how there are some things that some of the best NFT projects have on their website. What are some of the things that we need to be thinking about? So the context of that is 
a lot of people, and this was back in last year, a lot of times, you know, I would see people from uh, the agency world, people from e-commerce, they would see the opportunity. They said, well, this is just like another product. Let's just launch an NFT collection. But they didn't really have a story around the project. No one knew why they got into the NFT world. No one knew why their NFT is existing. Once you get to that point where you can actually explain that to people, there's something wrong with the NFT collection. What I like projects to do, to have a story, first of all, around their project, to say, hey, like why they got into the NFT, I guess, industry. What is it like for, like they, they need to paint the scene for what it's like for the holders um, to, as they're getting into this project and they're holding this NFT and they're contributing their time, their money into this project, what would it look like for them? And can you actually paint the scene of like what that future would look like? And so what you see a lot of projects when they have their stories, they're literally, there's a page, uh, there's a tab on their website that's just a story. Usually it's written in the future format, you know, in like, 100 years from now, you know, 30 years from now, whatever that is. And they paint the scene. And so when people actually read it, um, or more importantly, on the website, they see that first image, they can quickly see uh, themselves just being part of that project, being, you know, now, for example, like, I, I just give you a prime example of that, like Bored Apes, the founders, they were writers, and they wanted to have art. So they thought about, okay, so they should just do a collective art. They then they thought, okay, if they do a collective art, then everyone's going to draw penises on. Uh, and then they thought, okay, well, if that's the case, um, where would that be? That would be a bathroom stall. Where would that be? It would be maybe in a dive bar or maybe it could be in a, you know, maybe it's like a yacht club and in maybe in a, in a swamp. And so it started just painting that, I guess, scene for people of like, oh, okay, so there are these rich people just sitting around kind of bored. These are the bored apes, right? And so so the just the concept of actually being able to paint that scene for people to be able to connect with, with something so they feel they belong to something, that's really important. And projects do that with one image on top of their website. There's another image that's very important on the website, and that is the utilities. So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, D-Gods, I think they did that, uh, where everything in, as far as the utilities is actually uh, portrayed in one image as well. So if you look at that image, you can tell like all the things that they're going to do in the future and all the things they've already done. Again, in a visual format, quickly just telling people, hey, this is what we're about. This is These are the stuff we're going to do on our roadmap. I think I was very influenced by just looking at a lot of investor decks, just for a lot of companies. So I kind of had this idea of, okay, from the beginning, obviously like for NFT projects, there's that image, but then it goes into, okay, what's the opportunity? Who are the team members? Why those team members? And that's the thing, like, again, like a lot of times people just list the name of someone who is doing a specific project, but why? Like if you're, if you're all about pr uh, producing events, have you done anything um, in that industry? You want to have at least a one-liner just say, hey, this is what I've done prior to this, prior to launching this NFT project. Now, now I'm doing this NFT project. All right. So something that's relevant. So people say, okay, so they have some form of track record. Or even if you don't, then obviously just say something that makes people think you're capable of doing that. And then the roadmap. Now, what I like to do these days with roadmap is everything you say on the roadmap to have some sort of proof 
um, if you already delivered it or if you can deliver it before actually minting and really show proof uh, to tell people, be like, hey, this is how we're going to do this. And reason is that we've gone past a time of a lot of people getting rugged. So the more you can actually show, just like how in the Web2, for example, coaches, maybe they have websites where everything they say, quickly they have a testimonial actually backing it up. If anything they say, like there's a video of someone saying that's true, or there's a, a screenshot of a Facebook post of someone saying that actually did happen, right? Or if they want to make an income claim, uh, they show their Stripe account, right? So just like that, I like projects to anything that they say to just back it up with some sort of proof. So that's their team, obviously being docs, have, have their LinkedIn in there, not just a, you know, Instagram account with like two followers. And then just be very presentable. Like everything is like a very serious thing. And that's, that's a lot of times it's a mind shift, I guess, mindset shift for people is just really treating this like a real business and just saying, okay, everything has to be presentable, right? So, so this is the roadmap, uh, the team, the solution, the opportunity, the problem. And then it goes all the way to the bottom in one page. So everything is just presented in one page. That's like, that's the typical look of a website. On top of the website, until they're going through the process of minting, I like it to be the call to action to be all about people becoming part of uh, joining the whitelist. And then once they are done with the whitelist, it's all about minting. So just call to action, just being clear, uh, that's very important. But, but one, one thing I, I noticed with even with websites is that a lot of times people say things on their roadmap but they don't say like how or details of it. So for example, uh, one project that was in my, in my mastermind, they would say they're going to have events. And once they sell out, they're going to tell people what the event's going to be like. And those kind of stuff never going to sell. You have to know exactly what the event is going to be like. Where is it going to be? Who's going to be in there? How many times a year you're going to do it? Who's the DJ you're going to bring? Like every single details of it to the point of you almost like either you paid for it already or you on that up until that point of just paying and then you tell telling people here's the opportunity yeah well gary vanderchuk did that right except he's he's gary vanderchuk he said you buy my v friends and you're going to get access to three years of a conference that i'm going to do and that was all gary needed to say because it was gary you know what i mean and he's an events guy and everybody knows that well he he's never put out an event before, but he's definitely spoke all over the place. So they trusted him, but most people aren't going to know who the heck you are. So if you're going to say that, try to at least provide details. I love that. I got to come back to the advertising on, and the NFTs thing, because I think a lot of people are going to be fascinated about this. Which platforms can you advertise NFTs with? And, and then how do you go about doing it? I initially started advertising on, so this is, we're talking paid ads right now, advertising on Instagram and Facebook. Then I stopped doing that because the cost went really up. So I went on Twitter. And what was good about Twitter was that a lot of people cannot advertise on Twitter because they don't have a, let's say, agency partnership or they don't have any connections on Twitter that they could actually whitelist their account for them to be able to run paid ads. So the competition wasn't too much um, at the time. Now, a lot, of, a lot more people now are able to do it now. So then we have to like figure out new things now again. But um, other platforms are Quora, Reddit, and YouTube as well. So all of those platforms, I've ran ads on them. Now, some are 
better for specific projects. So like, let's say if it's a gaming project, I like YouTube ads because you can just show a preview of an ad, preview of the game, and just actually show people what the game looks like. Because that's what you really want to do. You don't want to talk about the game. You want to show how fun it is. And then maybe you can tell people about the tokenomics aspect of it too. But people need to need, need to see, okay, this is really fun and they want to play it. Question on Twitter. Can you target like specific collections? Like for example, if you wanted to target the Moon Birds community or you wanted to target the Board API Club followers, can you do that kind of targeting on Twitter ads? Absolutely. So if you want to go that, down that, I guess, rabbit hole on this. So I've done a bunch of things on this. I have bought lists of crypto owners, I guess owners with crypto wallets that have, um, let's say, $50,000 plus in their wallet, right? And you can upload that list and then you can run ads to all those people. On Twitter. Okay. On Twitter. Okay. So that's one thing. Second thing, I had some dev go through OpenSea and gather, for example, all the female holders of projects and let's say if if a female on OpenSea has at least two or three nfts then we would have their twitter handle in a list right so that's like a large list we uploaded that on twitter if let's say it was like a, let's say it was a female project then we could just directly target females now just so people know like majority of nft buyers are male so it's like somewhere around 90 to 10 90 to 10 or like 80 to 20, but still like female projects, for example, or some specific projects that is just makes sense. You do want to go hard on, you know, targeting females. So that's another thing I've done. So males and females, I've ran queries on OpenSea to just have like uh, people who have at least, let's say two, bought at least two NFTs. So that's another thing. Yeah. What's the substance of the ad? That's the part that I'm curious about. Like, are you just promoting the fact that there's a new NFT project and or what are you doing in the ad? Yeah, so at the beginning, because there was just so few people, it was all just about like, let's say crypto.com and maybe a bunch of other like larger exchanges. They were the only ones that actually were running ads. Like on Reddit, for example, still to this day, you would just see like crypto.com and maybe a bunch of other platforms. And then maybe some, you know, some NFT projects that are able to get past the all the like strict rules and policies of uh, Reddit and they have, again, someone at Reddit, like they have a partnership, they can they can run. So at the beginning, it was all ju just about just saying, hey, this project exists and here's the project, you know, it's, you know, 10,000. This is what it looks like on the video, like you will show different, different NFTs. Um, if you can have, if you can actually show something about the utility. So for example, San Vegas Casino Club, it was just first thing people would see on the video of the ad would be you can be the house, the house always wins. So that could get people quickly like in the mindset of, okay, the utility is about something to do with, you know, you get profit from the from the casino, right? From the online casino. So that's obviously very important to show it in the ads. Now, at the beginning, it was kind of like whatever you would do, it would do well because just there were so few people. Now I go for two things. I go specifically talking about the utility and hopefully this project has a utility that not it's not the exact same thing as many many other projects so that's one thing I, I like to do the other thing i like to do is a comparison charts i want to compare this is something people need to be careful like you don't want to like to be disrespectful to other projects but 
you want to compare to projects that are similar or like really good, even like the say blue chip collections, you want to compare yourself and just have a visual of like, here's what you're getting with this project. Here's what you're getting with all these like blue chip collections. And then just show them obviously you need to be convincing that your project is actually either up to par or like better. So those are as far as the content. And then I just realized you also asked, can you target the followers of a specific channel? You can do that. You can target your own followers. You can also target any followers of a specific brand or project that you think, like let's say if a project is like similar to yours and you're like, hey, they've done the work. You just want to get in front of them. There's a there's a software you can actually scrape all the usernames of the followers and then you upload it on Twitter as a list and then you can just run ads to them as well. So so that's as far as the targeting side and then obviously which countries you're picking that's important too the age group you're picking you know the settings of it like the bidding things like that that's obviously important um, and then um, the as far as the I guess the visuals. I like either the video of utility, something about utility or the comparison charts, and then the copy. So the copy is very important too. I mean, obviously, but what I like to do with that is say things that if it's going to Web3 people, which is most of the times the case on Twitter, I like it to be so that that speaks to people. So for example, Goblin Town, when they came out and they said, hey, we're just tired of the Discord grinds, they were the first one actually said that, right? And then everyone was just like, oh, someone understands us. That's really cool. And so I like to start the ads or just first line, something like that, right? So just say, for example, for this project I just recently um, was running ads on, I said, finally with paid off utilities, meaning they already paid for all the utilities. You don't have to worry if they, you know, if they sell out, they're still, uh, are they going to actually deliver on their promises or not? Because they already paid for everything, right? So that alone just makes people think, okay, at least I'm not going to, you know, I don't have to worry about that. So that's something that people are thinking about. If you can just speak to that, then people just, you, you grab people's attention. Awesome. Right? So those are, I would say, yeah. Arvin, this has been like jam-packed full of insights. If people want to find you, where do you want to send them? Your preferred social channel? And also, do you have a website you want to send them to if they want to discover a lot more? Absolutely. So sold out NFTs. So that is S-O-L-D-N-F-T-S, sold out NFTs.io. So that's my website if you want to check that out. And then also on socials, Arvin K NFT, that's A-R-V-I-N. K N F T and then on Twitter and LinkedIn, I'm most responsive. So it's myself just talking to people. Everything else is actually just people in my team, but on those two platforms it's myself and I just love to when people DM me, I'll check all the DMs and you know chat with people as well. Arvin Cam say thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your amazing insights with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash C42. And by the way, if you're new to the show, would you follow us? Let your friends know about this show. I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Crypto Business Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day. And may Web3 continue to change your world. The Crypto Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.
The information provided in the Crypto Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.